0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. The Indonesian province of West Papua straddles two worlds. Geographically, it's located within the Pacific Islands and connected to the country of Papua New Guinea. Politically, however, it's governed by Indonesia and has been the site of simmering tensions between Jakarta and a long-standing separatist movement. For a better understanding of what's happening in West Papua, today I'm speaking to Johnny Blades, a journalist with Radio New Zealand, who's a long-time reporter on Pacific Island issues. Thanks for joining me today, Johnny. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of what's happening in West Papua, give us a primer about the region that it's in, and where it sits geographically in the Asia-Pacific in relation to Southeast Asia.
1: So West Papua is the western half of the island of New Guinea um, and the eastern half of that island is the independent country of Papua New Guinea. So West Papua is the western half. And in that sense, it's, it's still part of Melanesia. Melanesia is one of the three kind of uh, sub-regions of the, the big region that is the Pacific Islands region. So you've got Polynesia, you know, like Samoa, uh, Tonga, Cook Islands and stuff. And then Mm -hmm. you've got Micronesia, which is further up north. uh, Some of the countries which are associated with the USA, like Marshall Islands and Guam and uh, Kiribati, stuff like that. And then you've got Melanesia, which is the most, um, it's like 90% of the landmass of the Pacific Islands, and it's 90% of the population. So it's got like Papua New Guinea, which is about 9 million people, but Solomon Islands, uh, Fiji, Vanuatu, New Caledonia and West Papua really is ethnically, you know, and and geographically considered to be part of Melanesia. But of course, it is politically part of Indonesia. So it's kind of a weird thing on the junction of Asia and the Pacific.
0: Now, there's a lot of history involved, but in a nutshell, could you help us understand how West Papua became part of Indonesia and not say a part of Papua New Guinea, which is its direct neighbor?
1: Yeah, well, good question. So for a long time, it was um, colonized by the Dutch. And then after the war, after the Second World War, um, you know, it wasn't long before the Republic of Indonesia, you know, became a nation It was formerly the Dutch East Indies. Uh, And then the Dutch left, but they gave independence to to all of the Dutch East Indies, uh, except its New Guinea territory. So it held on to that for quite a few years. And there was a big debate because the emerging country of Indonesia with its first president, Sukarno, they wanted to have the New Guinea Territory uh, as well. They they made a real strong sort of bid for that. And it was a bit of a back and forth argument for years, really, in the international community uh, as to whether they would. The Dutch didn't want to Give it up, so to speak. Well, they 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 were saying they were preparing Papua for independence, arguing that Papua, you know, was ethnically quite distinct from the rest of Indonesia. But mm-hmm. eventually, by the early sixties, uh, Indonesia had kind of um, won the argument. More, let's put it that way, because the the Americans under under John F. Kennedy decided that they wanted they were worried that Indonesia was going to become under the influence of Russia. This was during the Cold War, right? I mean, you know, the US, you know, being the powerful country that it was at that point, um, was able to broker an agreement between the Dutch and the Indonesians that Papua could be transferred to Indonesia pending a plebiscite. And there was a controversial process whereby, you know, was there was a year or so of temporary administration by a UN-administered sort of monitoring group but then the Indonesians effectively gained control anyway. But there was always supposed to be a referendum on, Papua's future, and that was um, the 1969 Act of Free Choice is what it's called. It's a bit of a misnomer because it really wasn't a, a free uh, or fair uh, referendum. It was kind of, it's widely regarded as a stage-managed uh, event where just over a 1,000 Papuans uh, voted for Papua to be incorporated into Indonesia. But they were it's widely regarded that they were coerced by Indonesian military or officials And it wasn't really fair if there was just over 1,000 Papuans. You know, it's not like one person, one vote. And that's part of the reason why there's been a big problem ever since. Uh, That's really the process under which Indonesia gained control. The international community more or less supported it or didn't, didn't oppose it.
0: At the moment, how is West Papua being governed? I understand that it's granted special autonomous status by the Indonesian government. What does that mean? Do they make their own laws? Do they have their own parliament? How much control does Jakarta exert over the region?
1: Well, Jakarta's got a huge amount of control over, over that region. Uh, when it was given a thing called special autonomy status, that wasn't long after the the fall of Suharto, and then things had kind of looked like they were going to open up a bit democratically. You remember, you know there was East Timor, although that was a very violent uh, process. They got independence, but... Things were sort of happening and in, in Jakarta, the lawmakers, they realized the Papuans are demanding independence. They didn't want to give them independence, but they wanted to give them some sort of compromise. Right. And they gave them this thing called special autonomy. And it was supposed to empower Papuans to have more say in how their territory was run and things like that. But it really wasn't like that at all. It's been considered a failure in that respect, because it really didn't do that in any way. Of, of course, the governors of both the Papua and West Papua provinces are Papuan and lots of the provincial government is made up of lots of Papuans. They are there in those positions, but they are not in charge. You know, Jakarta is in charge and the military has a huge footprint in, in, in Papua. that They really run the show.
0: Are there any other distinctions between how West Papua and other regions of Indonesia are treated? Couldn't we say that West Papua is treated like any other province in the country?
1: In, in some ways, yes, you could say that. But also what makes it a bit different? to most of the other provinces is that it's more, access to it from outside is is more restricted because of Jakarta's um, sensitivity to foreign interference or what they perceive to be foreign interference. And as well, there's been a long-time effective ban on uh, journalists going in and humanitarian groups. So you don't have many international humanitarian agencies in, in West Papua at all, mm-hmm. whereas there's plenty of demand for their work, but they're not allowed in because... There's almost like an unofficial cordon around Papua. But of course, Mm. Jakarta typically says, oh, everyone's free in Papua, everything's great. Well, it's not that simple. And um, what I should have added before about special autonomy, it didn't give Papuans what they wanted in the sense of they wanted to be able to assert their cultural symbols, whether it be their they have the Morning Star symbol and things like that, Mm. or just to be able to enjoy their culture. Their culture has been marginalized.
0: And who are the people of West Papua? How do they fit into the mould of what it means to be Indonesian?
1: You know, they are Melanesian people. The indigenous people of, of West Papua and Papua provinces are Melanesians, just like uh, people in Papua New Guinea. You look at the map, This the island of New Guinea is a huge island. It's the second biggest island in the world. The biggest one is uh, Greenland. So it's this huge island. It's just got this very arbitrary line down the middle of the 141st meridian east. That's the consequence of colonialism but they're the same people on both sides of the border they're just separated by this political divide mm. but when I say same people there's a great deal of diversity in, in Melanesia on the Papua New Guinea side there's something like 800 distinct tribes of people um and so it's very they've all got their own dialects and stuff it's very linguistically diverse and it's oh, similar yeah. on the western side so you've got lots of little little societies of people but they're all together in, in a sense as, as Melanesians. Um, on that big island. Having said that, you know, Indonesia, as you know, is a, is a very diverse country as well. So in some ways, you know, lots of people in Indonesia point out quite rightly that, you know, you've got Javanese, you've got Ambonese, Maluku, Sumatrans, lots of different people. So in a sense, uh, it's already a quite a diverse country. And in that mindset, they will point out that Melanesians, there's plenty of Melanesians as well, not just in Papua, but in some of the other islands nearby.
0: So being Melanesian doesn't preclude one from also being Indonesian, but is that widely recognised for the people of West Papua, or is that a matter of public contention?
1: The problem is that lots of Papuans have faced racism within Indonesia. Lots of young Papuans go and study on Java and stuff, and uh, you might you might recall twenty nineteen there were these huge protests when there was a there was an incident where. Uh, some West Papua students at a university in uh, Surabaya, East Java, it went viral. But they'd been called monkeys in their dormitories, or were policemen on hand join in this harassment, and it was not good. And it was somehow went viral, and then there were big protests uh, throughout Papua, but not just Papua, by lots of young uh, people in Java as well. I think it's a sign that you know young Indonesians, whether they be Javanese and stuff, the more they learn about the stuff, that they're not happy about racism and the state hasn't exactly treated Papuans very well over the years. And that sets the example of oh. the way they are treated sometimes by security forces. When I say sometimes, I mean, really, It's it's been persistent over the decades. So that has kind of clouded how Papuans are perceived in, in mm. the Indonesian, you know, family, as it were. Mm. You know, Jakarta will say, oh, Papuans, you're our brothers as well. But, you know, they're not always treating them like, like brothers you know
0: right so the rhetoric doesn't quite match the practice or what's felt on the ground per se i'm speaking to journalist johnny blades a longtime reporter on the pacific islands about the issues concerning west papua we'll find out more about the independence movement and whether that's the actual solution to the long-standing tensions in the region stay tuned bfm 89.9 Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar, and today I'm speaking to Johnny Blades, a journalist with RNZ, on the long-simmering tensions in Indonesia's West Papua. Johnny, how widespread is the independent movement in West Papua? Does it consist of a unified resistance, or is it divided into factions based on different communities' interests?
1: It has been pretty divided over the years. Let me go back big picture. I mean, there is the thing called the OPM, the Free West Papua Movement. It's just the the aspiration for being independent, which is loosely or broadly held by a lot of Papuans, you know, and scholars in this field have really pointed out that really, probably as most Papuans in their heart would probably like to be independent. But the OPM is also a militant movement which is actually fractured itself because it's such a some of the territory is very remote and especially in the inland you know the the highlands and yeah. the interior so you might have small disparate groups of opm and militia groups they have been around since the 60s since the you know very controversial process by which indonesia took over began but they have they're small they can't really match the indonesian army for hardware or numbers but they are yeah. hard yeah. to eradicate you know they will just blend back into the jungle and the mountains, because that's where they're, that's their terrain. But the OPM, there's just a general movement out of which the United Liberation Movement for West Papua, about seven years ago, they formed as a group to unite all the pro-Papuan political groups, not the fighters so much, it's just people, activists, uh, customary leaders, church leaders, just the people who were being activists for Papua, they they mm. formed a thing called the United Liberation Movement for West Papua. So sometimes it's critics like Jakarta, will call them OPM or terrorists, but they are really peaceful uh, campaigners for independence. And a lot of them are exiled working from overseas.
0: I see. So there are distinct independence movements where you have the separatist militias on one hand, but also the political and civil society coalitions trying to raise awareness and support for Papuan independence through political channels. I guess the question is whether or not they have the platform to make themselves heard. In terms of economic value, how important would you say is West Papua to the overall economy of Indonesia? What are its key contributions?
1: It's got the huge uh, Freeport gold and copper mine, which is, it was a while back the world's biggest gold and copper mine, or it had the largest reserves. It was the single largest source of revenue for the Indonesian state. So it was really important. And it's not the biggest mine in the world now, but it's still huge, and it's still a vital source of income for Jakarta, mm-hmm. especially after the American company which runs it divested you know just um just over fifty percent of of the control of it in order for Indonesia to have more of a share, not necessarily Papuans, but Indonesia. So there's that, but there's also huge tracts of uh, forestry. You know, Malaysia is a huge oil palm producer. You know that Indonesia is one of the other big, big ones, but when they finished burning down all the forests of Borneo and Kalimantan, they've gone to Papua because it's a huge chunk of land and it's relatively, there are relatively few people there. So There's been a lot of deforestation. Uh, It's it's a real oil palm hotspot. So forestry logging, they've got liquefied natural gas. Uh, There's a big gas project run by BP on the western side of West Papua. Uh, And there's fisheries and and the mining. It's it's just rich and it's abundant in natural resources. So it's quite important to um, Indonesia's economy.
0: And which countries are the biggest investors in West Papua?
1: I mean, yeah, there's the Americans. That Freeport McMoran is a huge company, really, and they've been investing in Papua for their mm. mine for years. There's the, the Dutch are there, the British with BP, as I, I just mentioned, British Petroleum. They've got their big LNG gas project. There are countries like Japan, Canada, even Australia have interests there, things like mining and gas. Uh, the Oil Palm, there's a huge South Korean uh, company, Corindo one of the giants of oil palm that's got a huge uh, interest in Papua and also one called POSCO International Group. Uh, so Koreans are there. Often, sometimes they've got joint ventures with Indonesians. As well, the Indonesian military have a lot of business interests in Papua, which is also quite problematic uh, in terms of the rights perspective and uh, just just the way things are done. It's, it's quite a frontier territory where sometimes not the best environmental practices are observed around these big projects.
0: And I guess the fact that West Papua is somewhat under the radar from international scrutiny makes it easier for big business to do as they wish there without oversight. Now, Indonesia says that the issues in West Papua are related to the lack of development and that the government is looking to raise the standard of living for the residents of Papua equal to other parts of the country. What do you make of this argument?
1: It's just my feeling that it's the lack of justice which is the problem in Papua, not poverty, not lack Mm. of development. I mean, I've done a lot of work in Papua New Guinea. You know, I've been there a lot more than West Papua, for instance. But when you cross over from PNG, Papua New Guinea, to West Papua, you actually realise West Papua is a lot more developed in some ways than, than PNG. They have better roads, better hospitals, better schools. So the argument from Jakarta that development is the problem it doesn't it doesn't stack up you know it's if people it's it's the racism it's the human rights crisis it's the fact that you've got a military force there who have effectively are in they're there in large numbers as if there is a there is a conflict but they're there as if there, as if there is a war you know and it kind of is a war and that's the problem the justice yeah. issue.
0: We spoke earlier about how West Papua is between two worlds. Geographically, it's in the Pacific Islands, but politically it's part of Southeast Asia. How has this duality affected how issues related to West Papua are dealt with by the international community? Do you think that this situation complicates how it's being addressed?
1: Yeah, I guess, I think it has. You know, Papua is, as you noted before, it's just not, there's not a lot of attention on it. And, it's not really known and it's it's confusing as well, you know, so people don't really know whether it's, you know, Pacific or Asia. And then there's the fact that it's part of a huge Asian country, which is, you know, uh, a country who has lots of friends around the region and the friends might be, you know, reluctant to criticise it because, you know, they just don't know. In some ways, Indonesia has been a bit of a an unknown quantity. Australia's government and New Zealand's government have been reluctant to Push the the Papua issue because they want to keep the trade uh, sort of arrangements with Indonesia to, oh. at the same level. They don't want to, you know, jeopardize that. So what I'm saying is, yeah, the fact that it's part of this Asian powerhouse or growing economic powerhouse is is quite a quite a factor that these oh. governments play. But the you know the Pacific Island countries are they feel pretty strongly about West Papua even if some of their governments don't do anything about it, but some of the governments are quite vocal and they have really been the ones who have kind of advanced or helped the United Liberation Movement for West Papua to kind of advance their their cause in, in the international fora, you know, hmm. whether that be trying to mention it at the UN General Assembly or just trying to get some recognition of this issue, whether it's a rights issue or, or the independence, the self-determination question. Like, for instance, the Pacific Islands Forum, which is the preeminent sort of political grouping of all the Pacific Island countries, as well as Australia and New Zealand. You know, that's the sort of um, organisation that has been trying to raise the human rights concerns with Indonesia and concerns uh, regarding what's happening in West Papua. But also some of the countries within the forum are trying to get the question of Papua's political status addressed as well. Not that there's much of an appetite for that in the wider international community but this is what i'm saying they are Mm -hmm. they are taking up the fight so to speak and they have been doing that on and off you know Mm. for a number of years
0: do you think the ultimate solution is to give independence to west papua is that the end game that would be best
1: no uh that's up to that's up to the people of papua they should have a chance i'm i believe they should be given the chance to to choose you know um It hasn't been a happy experience for them being part of Indonesia. Uh, And they've been ignored by the international community for a long time. I mean, parts of the world get very upset when things like happen in Ukraine, and for good reason. And there's a lot of response. There was no response for Papua they were considered subhuman they were considered you know lesser beings because for, for many years not until recent decades some of those people have seen outside contact you know what i mean it's sort of uh, they have ways that they've lived for many many years and it's considered by some people as backwards but uh, there's no right or wrong it's just they have their own ways they have rights but their rights are not recognized generally where they are now
0: Johnny, thank you very much for walking us through what's going on in West Papua today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I've been speaking to RNZ journalist Johnny Blades. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Stay tuned for the 10 a.m. News Bulletin coming up next. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9,
1: The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.